This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com, and I am lucky to be in the presence of the head of hoops, Mr. Aaron Beach, who, hey, you're a man about town now, Aaron, you're doing your thing. Not quite as doing much head of hoop stuff as you used to, but still glue, still clued in, still definitely people want to hear what your uh, your takes is on all these things that are going around Washington basketball. We were going to try to do this at the end of last week, so unfortunately didn't 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 make that happen then but we're making it happen now so uh just to start because this will be a hoops only podcast i want to get your take on the two washington players that obviously were drafted this last thursday we've got matisse thibel the senior guard getting uh drafted to from boston or by boston but then immediately traded to Philadelphia in, in, a, in a weird quirk that only the NBA guys do, whereas they announce all these trades beforehand, but they don't actually get finalized until after <laughs> the thing's done. So every, it feels like everything's kind of done on faith anyways. So you've got Matisse getting picked at 20, traded to Philly, and then in the second round at 43, you had Jalen Noel, the sophomore guard, picked by Minnesota, who has kind of an interesting history with Seattle players, because you look at Brandon Roy getting initially drafted by them before going to Portland. You had, I think, Zach Levine got drafted by them. I know Jamal Crawford played for them, so there, there's a nice history there. But uh, overall, let's talk about Matisse first. Um, Aaron, what do, you, what do you think is, is kind of his ceiling, and do you think that 3 and D label, whereas, you know, in terms of just his defense and, and being maybe a guy who can – uh, work on his three-stroke. Do you think that's kind of the, his future as a basketball player in the pros? Yeah, absolutely. And he, he's moving into such a great. And first of all, hello everybody. Yeah. How are you doing? I miss you guys. <laughs> Life is very busy, but uh, I'm happy to be here with you right now, Chris. But uh, back to Matisse. Um, you know, the 76ers have kind of underperformed based on the talent on that roster for a few years now, and we all have probably paid more attention to the Sixers than normal simply because of Markel's presence there you know, over the last few years. So uh, that being said, he's moving into a situation where he's going to be looked to not to score. He's going to be looked to to be a defensive leader. Um, and so in that environment, I think it's it would maybe outside of the San Antonio Spurs, he couldn't have picked a better situation depending on, you know, how things unfold this coming season. But uh, so I love it. I, I think it's a great spot for him. He can go in and really do what he does best and not worry about the things where he's maybe deficient, you know, in terms of having the ball in his hands. So I, I think it's a great setup for him. Right. I was going to say, too, that, um, you know, obviously with Markel getting drafted by them a few years, a couple of years earlier and not really panning out there, you'd like it if another Washington guy well, hopefully did a little bit better than well, next, next time around. You also had Tony Roten there a few years back, too, and right. that was more or less a bust as well. So, right. yeah, the Sixers haven't exactly had a lot of success with uh, – <laughs> with Washington players. That right. said, Matisse is a different animal, right? This He's not a guy going in to be the number one scorer. He's going in to be the number one defender. Right. And it's kind of interesting, too, because I know guys do get pigeonholed in certain areas as to what their game is, what their relative skill set is. It really was almost to, a, to an expert that you listen to in the pre-draft. Everyone basically said, arguably the best guy. Uh, defensively in the draft. I know uh, DeAndre Hunter, Hunter the, kid, the kid from Virginia. I know a lot of people were talking about him. And I know he got drafted a little bit earlier, but uh, it, it was impressive how everyone, obviously, when you win the Naismith and, and the Lefty Drizel Awards for the National Defensive Player of the Year, 
your your calling card kind of speaks for itself. I think a little bit there. Um, is there a is there a comparison maybe that you can make? I know, you know, for longtime NBA guys like me, I mean, I, you know, there's some definitely some defensive guys I can think of, but. Is there any kind of modern guys in the last four or five years that it, you think he's like? Not, I mean, he's a rarity, right? Yeah. They, they don't select players like him anymore. Justin Holiday was an example of a slightly more offensive player with a similar skill set. But um, no, it's very unusual, and I think it speaks to, honestly, you heard over and over iterated at the draft, after the draft, about his high character, right? Like that came through loud and clear that that was such an important part of his evaluation process that teams knew what they were getting in Matisse, not just because of his physical attributes, but because of his mind. And right. that was a very, um, you know, something that was really highly regarded going in the draft and maybe why he got drafted so much higher than maybe his skill level would suggest. Right, because I saw, you know, a lot of the mock drafts had him going around there uh, maybe you know, like twenty-five to Portland, or a little bit later. But but for the most part, I think most of them had him as kind of a mid to late first, and obviously that's where he went. What I'd like to know is, in your opinion on this, just because he's a pro now, he's going to be able to spend twenty-four-seven in the gym working on what he needs to work on. Do you think his three-point stroke is, is he going to get to the point where he can be a true three and D and be that kind of an impact guy? I mean, honestly, I'd love to think that, but no. I, I mean, I didn't see that kind of an upside as a shooter in college. I, he's a good college. He has the potential to be a good shooter, but I don't think he... He's not going to be a guy looked to as a you know third or even fourth option on offense, I don't think. How about how about Streaky? Can he get, do you think he can get hot? I think anyone can get hot. I, I, I don't want to poo-poo his chances. I just right. I don't think he's going to be... You know, an electric shooter. He's going to be a guy that gets 25 minutes a game and has to come in and defend Kawhi. You right. know, that's going to be his role. Right. So now moving on to Jalen, you know, unlike Matisse, who obviously everyone pigeonholed him in a very, very specific role, and, and, and I've always been of the belief, especially when you look at the NBA draft, is if, if you are known for having one incredible skill set that almost no one else can replicate, you're going to be a wanted man in the NBA. You look at Jalen Noel. Jalen Noel is the reigning Pac-12 Player of the Year. He's a phenomenal player. In the last 20 years, there's only been two Pac-12 Players of the Year that have not been drafted: Jorge Gutierrez and Jerome Randall, both from Cal. So I, I thought the 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 odds of him getting drafted were going to be really really good. But when you look at Matisse having a very specific, incredible skill set, Jalen's just one of those guys that does everything really 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 well. But there's not maybe one thing that he's elite high level at. Well, I, I, I'm going to disagree with that. I okay. would say that, and, and that's not to say that, so his mid-range mid -range game is unusual. Right. It's elite, I would say. There's a couple of guys in the NBA now that do it. Like DeMar DeRozan's a fairly good example of that kind of player succeeding in the NBA. But it's very rare. Um He's so good at that, and I would agree that he's a very versatile, well-rounded athlete who can do a lot of things. But I think that does make him special, and I, I would, to me, I, I think his upside is higher than Matisse's in the league at the next level. I think he's kind of undervalued because of, he does so many things well and does possess an elite skill. And I think his upside as a shooter is considerably higher than Matisse. I would say two reasons why I would agree with that. First of all, he's younger. Mm -hmm. So he's going to have more years to develop within the NBA system and more years to develop under the specific Timberwolves system. 
And secondly, I think his his athleticism, while I don't know if it's at Matisse's level, no, is, is extremely underrated still. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those two things. And then the, the other thing, too, is being the, the, the son of a coach and, and having that instilled with him and all those things, I think that only bodes well for him in the future. I think he'll deal with being a pro the right way. Mm-hmm. I think there's so many other guys in this area that he can look to mm-hmm. for mentors, whether it's an Isaiah Thomas, Jamal Crawford, whoever he needs to turn to, there's going to be guys that he can go to that he knows. And so I think there's there's plenty of reasons why I think. And the other reason why I think, too, um, Beach, that I think that, that the NBA probably values Jalen a little bit more than maybe the Mott guys did, is that the Mott guys, this was kind of the high end for Jalen mm-hmm, getting picked. Definitely. Whereas I, you know, so I think most of them had him as kind of a mid to late, if not only about half the dra- mock drafts that yeah. I saw even had him drafted. Right. And I was thinking, reigning Pac-12 player of the year with his offensive skill set, and like you said, a very unique ability to pull up and have mid-range game, mm-hmm. which you don't see very often in the college game. Right. Now, I think there's a lot of guys that, like you said, DeRozan, there's guys that can develop that at the NBA level, but when he already comes equipped with a pretty high-level mid-range game, mid-range game, that's that's unique. Now, I don't know if that really makes him eminently val- more valuable as like a, a guy that can do one thing super, super well, because I think he also drives the hole really well. Yeah. I think he finishes really well. So I think there's those things, too. I think, again, we talk about a jumper. We talk about consistency with the three. We, obviously, those are things that he can work on. Well, and he can run the point in a pinch as well. And I, to me, yeah. that is something that really manifested this last season that added and contributed to his increased value heading into the draft this year. Sure. Now, um, we can talk a little bit about some of the other guys. Now, obviously, the Pac-12 there was a bunch of guys. I, I mean, Oregon, people are talking about Oregon with Bull Bull getting drafted later, but guys like Lewis King not getting drafted at all. Um, do you think with Washington having the two guys there both getting drafted, do you, do, you th- do you take that as a good sign that Coach Hop has got these guys going in the right direction? And not only that, but they're making the right decisions when it comes to their futures? Yeah, undoubtedly. I mean, look, first of all, the fact that we get two guys drafted or Washington gets two guys drafted is going to be huge in, in terms of the recruiting front. It legitimizes um, Hop as a developer of NBA talent, which it was the one real knock on him coming into this. Like, what's this guy? This guy hasn't really done this before, right? So his ability to a, attract high-level talent and now to be able to develop that talent is, uh, you know, a big deal moving forward, right? Yeah. Just from a draft or recruiting five you know blue chips and giving them a a high degree of faith that their commitment to washington will result in a high you know a a strong future professional opportunity right right um so so that's that's a huge deal um what was your first what was the original question because i went around (laughs) with the back side of it just just in terms of you know with with some of the other pac-12 teams not getting all their guys drafted does it because you know Jalen could have been in a position where a lot of the Mont guys didn't have him drafted, right? But he got drafted in the mid second round, which really I, I think was good for him. And obviously, with Matisse getting drafted, I think a lot of people thought that was pretty much a no brainer. But do you feel like not only does it is it a good sign and a good show that Mike Hopkins is, is putting these guys in the right positions to be not only successful, but they're also making the right decisions? 
yeah. in terms of their pro futures. And so, you know, going forward, because we'll jump down the road with this, but we're, this is leading into what the what Washington's looking like next year. Right. Well, and, and so you say that, and you look at Bull Bull, and you look at King, and you look at Wooten, these guys down at Oregon who came in with, you know, five-star type of athleticism and future talent, and they all busted, right, coming out. So is that cracks in Oregon? Is that a problem there? Or is Hopkins taking three- and four-star guys and developing them because he's just better at it and has the right system to do it? I don't know the answer, but so far the signs are that he's got something that um, appeals and is very effective at developing players. And I, a lot of it has to do with him personally, I think. He's a, he's, he's a nurturer of minds, not just of talent. Right. Hey, also, we, we we're going to be taking some questions from some of the Dogman folks because uh, I asked for them on the on the uh, hoop sport at the end of last week. But someone was also asking about your um, your take on Kevin Porter and and him getting drafted. Sure. And uh, you know, and, and and again, you know, getting drafted at the very end of the first round by Milwaukee. Uh, a lot of people wondered if he was going to get drafted. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people saw kind of the on the court. Issues at times mm -hmm. with a guy like Kevin Porter. You know Kevin. You know you 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 watch him go through the ranks of the yep. AAU and everything else. What what's your take on uh, Kevin? What do you think he's going to do? Because I know a lot of draft guys when he got drafted were like, Milwaukee got an absolute steal well, with this guy. So I'm going to tell you that I, I I heard going in that the biggest problem or the biggest concern with him was had nothing to do with talent. Had nothing to do with his athleticism. Right? He's an elite athlete. He's got probably top. If not top five, he has top ten type of ceiling, right, in the NBA. But um, he had enough, he had a consistent track record of trouble, right? Um, not bouncing around so much, but on-court behavior, which could be um, very, he just was immature, yeah. right? And even down at USC, getting suspended last year temporarily, that was a sign that, all right, he hasn't really worked through this maturity thing yet. And when you're... When you're about to drop five, six million dollars on someone, I mean, we wouldn't for a second doubt an NFL team passing on a player because of you know potential maturity issues, right? That's just like that's known, right? But in for the a NBA, first rounder, yeah, for, for a first first rounders or at least in the NFL, they're considered guys that have to play right away. Exactly. Assume. So you can't in the NBA. Why are we even questioning that someone has a concern about somebody's maturity unless their talent, you know, I mean, despite having a lot of talent, they you know, are dropping down the list because they lack that maturity. And so my thought was, I figured he'd be the first pick in the second round because there's no guarantees at that point, even though he's, you know, he would have gotten a guarantee. And he ended up going last pick in the first round. Right. You know, uh, NBA GMs, we're going to make him earn it. And I, to me, um, he's so talented that, yeah, you got to roll the dice with him. But at the same time, you bet, make him earn it. Let Make him show that he can keep it together, that he's going to, you know, grow as you know emotionally, yeah. and uh, be a worthwhile business investment. That's how I looked at it too, and I think that's exactly what happened. I think he's got a great career ahead of him. Yeah. You know, with a much higher upside than both Jalen and, and Matisse. Clearly, really, yeah, absolutely. From a physical standpoint, undoubtedly, you know, he can be a he's got all star type of physical potential. Right. He, you know, does he have it going on upstairs? And I guess we're about to find out. So I was also going to say too that it, it, I always got the sense that Kevin Porter, if he wasn't in the one and done era, you know, if he, if if they had, you know, if they're going to start opening the 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 floodgates to high schoolers again, mm -hmm. which sounds like they will, um, I get the sense I don't think he'd even have gone to USC. I just get the sense that, that he always felt like that was his future, and I think that he went to USC and it was probably he probably had. 
both feet in for a while, but that was kind of, that was never going to be like a 100% thing for him. I just, I always just got that sense, and I, I don't have anything to back that up. I just, like I said, from afar, it just felt to me, and it felt like when you see some of the outbursts, and you see some of the things, and you hear about the suspension, it just kind of snowballs into this idea that I think he was always, he always kind of had the pro thing at the forefront of his mind, yeah. and never kind of put it in the back, like Jalen. Mm -hmm. You know, Jalen was a guy that, yeah, if he was thinking about going pro, you never, you never heard it at all during the season. Right. And again, he wins, he wins the Pac-12 Player of the Year. Yep. You can't fault his his willingness to do whatever it takes, his willingness to be coached yep. by Coach Hop and Coach Conroy and Coach Dollar and Coach Rice and and everything else. So, I, like I said, I, I just got the sense that when you kind of compare those two situations, I just got the sense that Jalen kind of put first things first, whereas mm -hmm. always I always kind of felt like Kevin Porter always kind of had the, the pro thing in the front of his head when he should have been probably thinking a little bit more about USC first. I agree with that, and I know going into it, uh, going into the draft, scouts were really digging on Kevin to try and understand his history prior to even getting to USC and really trying to figure out what they were dealing with. Um, I never got the sense that those there were any of those kind of questions with Jalen going on behind the scenes, and I think it just made for a very easy. It was easy to roll the dice with Jalen, where if you're, you know, really kind of him and on Han whether or not to take Porter, there were enough questions there that you didn't. Right. So moving on, uh, this will be a good segue to what the current Washington team is, and and I I apologize to the Washington fans out there that think we're going to delve into future recruiting and stuff. We're not. This, this is all going to be about the current team and Beach's takes on what he thinks is going to happen. Because you know we talk about guys like Kevin Porter, who I think could have jumped immediately. Washington's got two guys coming in that could have probably that that have enough talent that could have jumped immediately. Maybe even a third guy, mm -hmm. if we really want to go that far, even though he didn't come to Washington initially. But uh, tell me about what you think of Quad A Green, Jaden McDaniels, Isaiah Stewart, and how long you think they're going to be at Washington. Uh, okay, so that's a different question. Uh, I, so I would say this, first of all, and I, and I haven't really seen Quad A much more than just you know the highlights I've right. seen online. I, don't, I didn't watch him get recruited or any of that. Um, so I know him only by reputation. For, but with Jaden, Jaden's a one and done. I mean, there's he was a zero and done, right? If he could have jumped straight to the league, I, I'm fairly confident he would have. But that's just not the world we live in. Um, that said, he will buy in, and I expect him to be ultimately a top five pick, right? Okay. Isaiah Stewart, same. Maybe there's a scenario where he just loves his experience at Washington, but it's the same situation. We're going to be looking at both those guys for one year, and so enjoy the heck out of them. They're going to do things that we haven't seen before, right, in a, in a Husky uniform, and enjoy it and move on. Now, Quad A... But we have seen one and dones. Oh, yeah, many, many times. But so, these two specifically, these players, we have not seen anyone like at Washington before. These are This is a whole new... We've not seen a player like Isaiah Stewart at 6'10", who dominates the game like a Patrick Ewing or a... You know, a Carl Malone or an Elton Brand type of player. That we just haven't seen that, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and with Jaden, hardly anyone's ever seen that, right? The things he does at six eleven ish, um, you know. And, and I, you look at, you hear the Kevin Durant comparisons, and you think, well, kind of. But when you watch, Jaden's a lot quicker. He's quicker. He's got more wiggle. I'm not saying he's going to be a better player than Kevin Durant, but 
he is truly unique and um, I think like everybody else out there um, I can't wait to see what he does if he indeed ends up at the top of that of Hopkins zone um, you know how does that how does that even how does that manifest right how right. what's gonna what's the result of that um, you know, we've got new three-point rules, which are going to expand this zone, you know, yeah. for, wash. Pe for people that don't realize, sorry, just real quick, for people that don't realize, the three-point line's being moved out to the international line, so it's being moved back about, what, a couple another, inches? Yeah, another, what, 14-ish? No, 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 no. So it's going from, like, 20... 22.9. 22.9 from wherever it was, 21 whatever. So it was, like, a couple, like less than a couple inches. All right, but now we're going to have to go and check it. Enough, well, but it's enough that it's... It's gonna. The zone is gonna be impacted a little bit because of that, and so having well, more bet. length is is gonna be nice. Yeah. Well, and the way that Washington stretches the floor with the you know on the defensive end, you know, uh, pushing your perimeter defenders back or your perimeter players back on offense. Yeah. Um, man, you're moving them another six, eight inches, however it is, whatever the distance is. That is a really tough shot already when you're trying to when you're looking at a 25 foot three point opportunity. Um, if you look at Syracuse and Washington, they're probably going to be affected more by this new rule than anyone else. Yeah. Nope, there's no doubt. And what I'm curious about, because you, you did kind of mention the idea of Isaiah Stewart, if, if he has, you know, if he really gets enamored with things, he could be maybe a two and done type, that kind of thing. I wasn't saying that seriously. I don't well, but, but, here's, but here's the thing. He's talked about that openly. Now, maybe that's just because he's good at what he does and, and, and he wants people to buy in and, and, and that's good for the fan base and they can get all G'd up about that and that's great. But I wonder, because this kid is a unique cat. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, he picked Washington over Duke, Kentucky, yep. Syracuse, Michigan State, Indiana, wh I mean, whoever he was. He had his pick of any school in the country he could have gone to. Right. And he picked Washington. Now, I know a lot of that almost, almost entirely is because of his relationship with Hop. Right. But that said... He still does strike me as, as, a, as a bit of a character. And a, a guy that I think kind of enjoys that role of being a leader and being vocal, I mean, mm -hmm. which is a complete contrast to Jaden McDaniels. Jaden McDaniels is a leader. Yeah. But Jaden McDaniels <laughs> is, the, is the classic leader by example. Yeah. Yeah. He's the guy, and, and, and for those people that didn't see um, the stories that I did with, with Jamal Williams, the former Washington forward who coaches Seattle Rotary and at Garfield, he just said, hey, Coach Hobb did a phenomenal job of cultivating a relationship with him because he didn't push him. He, he, just, he just knew that if you were going to have a half-hour talk with him, you might get a, yeah, that sounds good, Coach. All right, I like that. Oh, yeah, all right, cool. You know, just that kind of stuff. You, you, don't, you don't have a conversation with Jaden McDaniels. Right. And so what I wonder is whether or not, is that, is that the kind of thing where his personality – is going to lend itself to being a one and done, or is if he is he going to fall in love with the college experience? He might fall in love with the college experience, but let's not. I I, I guess I'm a cynic now no, when it comes I, to this. I, I'm, not, I'm a. If I had to lay odds on it, I'm saying he's one and done too. I'm not even. I mean, but I'm. But do we do we? I mean, and again, there's, yeah, am there's I always. Am I shutting the door on any potential for him to returning the fall to return the following year? Yes, right. I am personally. I okay. don't think there's any way. It's just. It would have to be such. That's an anomaly right. these days. I mean, who turns down three million dollars to play? You know, hang out another year in a dorm room. I just don't. I'm not seeing it. But so. Jamal was very convinced after coaching him and watching him explode, and basically just saying, "Give, I'm giving you the ball because you're our best we're guy." We're talking about Jaden now. Yeah, we're talking about Jaden McDaniel's. You know, he said that 
buying in is not going to be a problem. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's not... When you watched him play in high school, he wasn't the alpha dog in terms of I'm going to take every shot at all. Well, in Terry, fact, Terry Eason was a big part yeah, of the Federal Way program as huge. well. He's a distributor. He's a playmaker. I mean, he. In fact, you know, you heard from time to time, hey, we need Jaden to shoot more, be more right, selfish. Right. Um, so. I, well, he's not a dominant personality. Not clearly. Clearly. Yeah. So it's so who's going to be the ringleader in this? Is it going to be a Quad guy? A. So now. Quad A Green, let's say he has the year that everyone anticipates he could have mm -hmm. as a shooter, distributor, point guard, all those things. Do you think he only plays one year? No. It's too, no. I, I mean, as, as talented as he is. and But does he does, need more than one year at Washington to prove? I mean, coming out of high school, five-star kid playing at, at Kentucky, he's got the pedigree. Uh, he, yeah, I, he's awfully small to be a... There's some barriers there, I think, that he he doesn't have the prototype NBA physical attributes. Okay. You know, he's he's very athletic, very quick, but he's not elite athletic, elite quick, and he's certainly not elite size-wise. Okay. And I think that's um so that will keep him around another season. So now another question that we had from uh the subscribers was what is going to happen if Quade doesn't get this this waiver uh pushed through? To play the entire season, and they don't get him until at least maybe mid-December, beginning a Pac-12 play. Do they go with Elijah Hardy the whole time? Is Marcus Sahonis, the the freshman from Portland, is he going to be the guy that can come in? Because I'm sorry, when I see Marcus Sahonis and I watch all the game film and, and the, the highlights of what I've seen, both at the AAU level and when he played at Jefferson and Portland, I I see Nigel Williams Goss. Yeah, agree. That's a great comparison. But is he as talented as Nigel was right off the bat? Because Nigel was a was a he was an impact player right away as a yeah. freshman. He's not that polished in advance, and I haven't seen Marcus in a year or so, but. Uh, you spend enough time up here in the area that watching him over the years. He's he's a high level guy with a good upside, but he's not. I, I don't see him as being the answer at point. I think Elijah, just with his familiarity with the system now, assuming he's totally healthy, I, I think that's the guy. But even then, maybe it's another hybrid type of offense. This is a different system, right? You're not having to worry about defensive matchups the same way you do pretty much every other college system in the country, right? Okay. So you're not having to worry about one lining up with one and a shooting guard lining up with another shooting guard to defend, right? We don't right. have that structure. So you're not limited that way. So if there, if if a, if a you're comfortable with Carter or Jamel Bay or, you know, Raekwon, you know, maybe one of these guys is a better ball, is an adequate enough ball handler who has enough upside in other areas that mitigates, you know, their limitations. I mean, I'm with you, and I don't have a great answer because there's only one, you know, true point guard on this team that seems ready to play. So I, I think the answer may be a little more complicated than us just applying. Well, it's hardier to show it. I think the one the one thing we can probably say definitively is that if Quad A Green's not available at the beginning of the season, both Elijah Hardy and Marcus Sahonis will play. Yeah, probably. I mean, they will play. Yeah. You can't you can't put all forty minutes on Elijah Hardy. No, absolutely not. And you don't have a backup ball handler like you did last year with Jalen. Well, do you have Jaden? Is Jaden a potential ball handler? Okay. Well, that's I'm just saying that's a role he's done. There's a lot that's what I'm saying. Are either of those point guards so good and, and Tashonis is really more of a combo than a point guard, right? Yeah. That's um are they that much better than Jaden in that role? And I don't know. I mean, Jaden's an elite ball handler for that size, and that doesn't mean you're a great point guard. But 
you know, if you can handle some pressure and you gotta, you're in a pinch and need a guy to do the job, you go with the guy who can handle the pressure. And I think Jaden can handle the pressure. So that's an option too. So I wrote a story a few weeks back, maybe even longer, where I kind of went by what I thought the, the, the five would be to start the season, but then what would be like the ideal five. Mm -hmm. And I think the five that I had to start the season, because I assumed Quade's not gonna be there mm -hmm. until the waiver gets cleared, I had Elijah Hardy with Nas Carter up top. And then you had your bottom three as being Jamal Bay, uh, um, uh, Hamir Wright, and then Sam in the middle, because that's your experienced lineup. Now, I'm gonna ideally, I, ideally you put Quade and Nas up top. Wait, 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 wait. Did you say Isaiah Stewart? Well, I didn't. That's the thing. I'm saying ideally because I'm talking about very first game of the year, like exhibition. I game. don't care. Okay. Isaiah's going to start. <laughs> okay. So ideally, I said not, I'd say Isaiah's going to be in the middle of the back, and you and you put Jaden in one, you put Amir in the other. Okay. And then you have your front. You've got Quade and you've got Nas. Right. But what you're doing is you're putting your two smallest guys up in the top because that's what you think of. That's what you do with your guards. But that's not how this works. Well, I'm saying I'm not saying Jaden can't play up front. What but, if you had? What if Nate well, Roberts so, but, but, is a stud up front? And you have Jaden and okay. in that Matisse role. So, then, so the, his is the point then. Where do you put? Where do you put Nas? Um, in the one of the corners. You put Nas in the corners. Yeah. So it's so. Let's remember. Hopkins said in in an ideal situation, he wants his back line to be like six nine, six eleven, seven foot. Mm -hmm. You're gonna put a six five guy back in there. Like, like he had to put Noah. He like he had to hide Noah, Noah in the corner so he so he wouldn't pick right. up fouls. Right. You're gonna do that. Well, yeah. I mean, so the whole point is, if you have those two guys up at the top, if they're, you know, in that Matisse kind of environment, if you got two six nine six yeah. ten guys that have that kind of reach yeah, but Beach, here's coming the thing. from behind, you completely shut down the mid range. Yeah, that, but, here, but here's the, the thing. is close. I, I get the idea of. The, the theory and the, the dream of having a 6'11 guy out in the front of the zone. Yeah. It's but like having not, a helicopter but, over your high but post. Yeah, but we're not talking, yeah, but we're not talking about, yeah, but we're still not talking about a guy that has Matisse's type of instincts defensively. No, I hear you, but you're talking 6'11 with a 7'4 reach. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. What if you had two of those guys up top? But I'm saying, why can't you put, why can't you put him? He could be just as good defensively in the wings. Yeah, but the wings don't, but it's the coming it's the guys at the top that have responsibility for the high post so coming from behind blocking the shots that's why Matisse got four block shots yeah, but that, see I would argue that's all instinct that that's a that's a very that's a skill to be able to do uh, okay, that. I, agreed I, I, but it's also you just can't put your hand up there and just assume you're gonna block every shot from behind right and and especially doing it without fouling that's key too right I would still say though that that length up there after watching that zone, yeah, and I'm not gonna not pretend like I'm an expert in hop zone. I have no idea, actually. I'm still trying to figure out what the heck it is that he's doing with your amoeba zone, as you yeah. coined it many years ago. <laughs> yeah. But that being said, it, it looks to me like it definitely prefers, because they're pushing so far up, that you stick Isaiah back underneath the basket, right? And you've got yeah. two big old forwards up at the top of the zone. You know, basically, those three guys are like the... Um, was bad flex capacitor, <laughs> right? <laughs> and that's a, that's a lot of coverage there, and that's why I think that's what you ultimately see. I wonder, to be honest with you, and this is obviously totally spitballing, but 
have a certain way where you have the smaller guys up front just to harass a little bit. But then if, if you really want to apply some pressure, now all of a sudden make that switch for maybe like a possession or two. It's all because to be honest with you, it's almost like creating a different defense. If you have a six eleven guy at the front of right. that zone as opposed to a six five guy. Right. Yeah. So I, I could see I could see that being I could see that being a very smart switch up or change that way. Um, so someone was also asking on the boards too, what's your take right now and what you think Nate Roberts and Brian Penn Johnson, what do you think they're gonna to contribute to this year? Well they're the biggest question, right? And I think we all are asking the same thing and I haven't seen him in a year. So um Physically, they're perfect for this. Uh, so, and I, and when I got to watch Nate, especially in open gym last year, I was kind of blown away by his potential, um, even though we didn't get to see him. So, uh, I could. That's why I've suggested I could see Jaden on one side, Nate on the other, in a really unique lineup. Yeah, they, the well, they, that could, they could certainly go really big. Well, I mean, it, really big. Right, if they wanted to. Because if you're just worrying about closing out the shooters on the, you know, on the corners, that's yeah. where you bury a guard who's not quite as long. If you want to take some risks on the top, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Is, it, we're spitballing. <laughs> but I mean, I could see, I could see a lineup where you put instant. You you could have Nas running it, and have Jamal Bay up top too. Could. Yep. I, I could completely envision that. You're right. So there's so many different options. I was just kind of curious as to what you think. Clearly. <laughs> this idea, you you have this idea of Jaden playing up top. Oh yeah, that's that's, I, that's your dream. That's the dream, and I'm sure it's Hop's dream too. Even if <laughs> if we may not see it. So now, day. right before we were doing this, we we ran some numbers. Obviously, Washington's losing seventy some percent, almost three quarters of their uh, offense, and almost three quarters of their defense uh, rebounding. Yeah, where's this production gonna come from? I mean, is it is it reasonable to rely on true freshmen like that? Because I, I, I can see them get, having some production, but should they be the guys that are bringing the the lion's share of the points and the boards? Because I think that's that's a formula that's that's going to be tough. Well, and the question is, can you really upgrade with freshmen a bunch of seniors who were that prolific in so many different ways? And I think the truth of it is, though. Going one, Matisse was a solid offensive player, but he wasn't really anything to write home about. David Chris was great, yep. right? But he wasn't fantastic. Uh, Dominic Green had his issues. He was hot or cold, hit or miss. So I think Washington's got a great now. Jalen, you can't really minimize. That's he's gone. He was your best offensive player, and he's irreplaceable in that regard. But that said, I think there's enough enough opportunity to upgrade the rest of the lineup that really. I, I think you get better offensive productivity potentially, depending on you know. And we're assuming this is, that this team's going to click and that the chemistry is going to be great, and these guys are all going to get along and everything, right? right. We're, we're picking, we're making our, an assumption. Um, but if that's the case, yeah, I think there's much more talent here on paper than there was last year. Well, it's interesting too because you talk about the chemistry issue. I think that's key. You look at a guy like Jaden McDaniel's, and now all of a sudden he's got two other guys that are rotary players that played with him. Yeah. But what are the odds? That Raekwon Battle and Marcus Tahonis and Jaden McDaniels are all going to be on the floor at the same time this year. Minimal. That's probably, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean. Now Raekwon, he's an X factor to me. He really is. And if he is that electric a shooter, and people are talking, right? Yeah. There's buzz. If he's that great, 
maybe he is playing out there with them. But you know, Jamel Bay, that we just heard raves, right? right. And then they're just well, wasn't the end of the year. End of the year, yeah. he got better. For he did. Sure. He certainly did. Um, but, so anyway, and again, you know, we we talk, we make comparisons when when we were talking to Jamal Williams about Raekwon Battle, C.J. Wilcox came up. Yeah. And we know how hot CJ could get. Yep. And how quickly that translated to success, right. right, as a freshman. I mean, he was getting buckets right out of the gate. So now to finish this up, and obviously appreciate your time as always to hang out with us. I'm happy to be here. But people wanted to know, so with that in mind, with, with trying to figure out the scoring piece of this, who do you think are going to be their top three scorers next year? Quade, uh, Nas, and Elijah. Okay. Yeah. Elijah Hardy. Oh, I, no, Stewart. Eli Isaiah, Isaiah Stewart. Stewart. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm, my bad. Um, yeah, there's your three. So in, in order, you think? You think Quade will be number one? And then Nas? And then no. Elijah? Boy, that's a tough one. I think Nas, probably. I don't know. I mean, Quade's Nas got... Was, Nas was instant offense coming off the... That, those game, like, that game at Oregon State... He was on fire was. coming he, off the bench. He's got Terrence Ross type of ceiling. That's what you see when he's at his best. So that's why I'm saying yeah. I think it, there's a very good case to be made that it could be him. Yeah. But Quade, we know coming in, this guy's a scorer. He, right. looks, he looks to get his buckets. And right. he's an elite shooter. So I would say realistically, that's him. I don't think Jaden will because I don't think that's what Jaden does. I think Jaden's like a... 14, 8, and 6 type of guy. I think 14 and 8 can... 14 could get him top 3, I think, on this team. Maybe, but what... That 14 would have 14 gotten, 14, 14 gotten him on top 3 last year. Yeah, but I think there's a lot... Like I said, the the level has bumped up in yeah. terms of offensive capabilities for, yeah. with this lineup. I, I I kind of agree in Quade. I think Quade is going to be the leader of this, of this group, mm -hmm. from what I've heard and from what we've been told in terms of him kind of taking over the reins a little bit now that obviously David's no longer there and some of these other seniors. Yep. So I, I, I think he's going to start leading by example. And, I you know, we've seen enough with his shot that uh, at Kentucky to know that he can put it down. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a good shout. I definitely think Nas is a great shout, especially if he starts. Because he's he is the one guy last year that was really looking for it. Yep. You know, because David would look for it at times when he was hot. Mm -hmm. But sometimes when, he, when, when, the, when the shot wasn't falling... You could tell he was deferring all the time. Yep. Nas has no such problems. <laughs> he would shoot till he got cold, then shoot till he got hot again. Yep. So I, 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 I think that's a good shout too. Elijah's tougher for me because I want to see how he adapts to the bigger players. He's going to be the in, biggest in the player. Pac He's the biggest player on the court. I understand. Steps on it. You see, because when I when I look at him and I look at his size, you'll remember this guy. Ike Diagu. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember Ike Diagu yeah, from oh, yeah. Arizona State? Yeah. If he has an Ike Diagu type presence right from the back, because Ike Diagu as a freshman was immense. Mm -hmm. If he has that kind of capability, you are you're you're talking about close to a walking double double. Oh, that's from the start. He that's but, exactly and, and, and what he is. And the thing is, I know he can get there because he's already no, shown it. The thing is, Chris, there's nobody in the Pac-12. There's not. Look at the front courts across the conference. They're really bad. There's. He's going to walk in the biggest, strongest, best just because there's nobody to even compete with. And that's an unfortunate thing, actually, yeah. um, that the, there's not better there's not better front courts in the conference right now. It's going to be Gonzaga that's going to test him, right? I mean, it, it's he will be the most dominant player in the conference, even if he doesn't average 18, and he might average 18 and 12, right? Um, because he's just that much bigger, stronger, faster. 
If he averages 18, 12, I'm he's not got, saying he's got he to be well. The, but I mean, he would have to be the national freshman of the it, year. It's hard he? to do that anymore. When you, if you don't shoot three pointers, it's really hard to get 18 in a game. But, but that said, he has that kind of dominating presence. Uh, I mean, he, furthermore, well, people he's that used to playing these guys in the East. Well, people that haven't necessarily seen that much of him do, he can shoot it from three. Yeah, I don't know. That he won't be, be asked to. We won't be seeing that. Though. But if he needs to step out and extend, right? Because again, this is Jamal Williams is telling us one of the big things that Jade McDaniels is going to have over any of the bigs that he is defended by is that he can go outside in. Absolutely. And he he's he's going to play that wing more often than yep. not. Yep. So you know that those kind of matchups I think are extremely intriguing. Yep. So we'll see what happens with that. So again, thinking Quad A, thinking Nas. Elijah, you yep. think top three scorers? Yep. Okay. Yeah, but you know, Jamel's got all kinds of firepower too. Yeah, but he's but again, we've seen glimpses of it, but we don't. Right. Where does he? Is he a sixth man in this lineup? I don't. I think he starts. Where does so if Jamal starts, then who doesn't start? Um, Hamir. You don't think Hamir starts? No. Okay. Interesting. No, well, so and he's my biggest question mark, to be honest. Okay. Why, and I why know it's he, hard. Why? How do you take a guy, the only returning starter, and how do you not start him? Yeah. Well, did you see anything offensively that told you he belonged on the court as a starter? Well, you you got to remember the chemistry is no, going to no, be. No, no, I hear you. But I'm saying, did you see a skill or a trait that said, hey, this is something we want him doing 25 minutes a game? Do we want we want him getting 12 field goal attempts? Well, I I, I think again, a lot like Jaden, he's gonna he's gonna be a guy that can extend. We've seen him shoot threes. See, is he a three and D guy? And maybe because that seemed to, that's what he favored. But I don't know if he actually can do it. I think one of the things that we learned though for sure, Beach, is that. You got to be able to play this defense, yeah. in order to play yep. for Hop. Yep, and he knows the defense; he yep. can play it. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe he's a token starter. But he Maybe. was also the big guy last year. This year, he's not the big guy anymore. Right? But and you I, got lots of big guys. You got lots of size. But I remember talking to both Coach Hop and even Coach Romar back before, asking, you know, what about your rotation? You know, does it matter if guys are getting, you know, or if guys are starting or not? And you know, to be honest with you, some guys thrive off being starters. Some guys don't, as long as they're getting starter type minutes, and so you know what I mean. So it, it I, I think he could be a guy that it, that gets starts, but at the end of the day, there might be other guys that are getting the same number of minutes. I, I think there's that. I, I'm with you, especially if the, especially if a Nate Roberts or a BPJ right. start really showing that they're they're ready to contribute. Right. That's the question. Is Nate? Because what I've seen from Nate, albeit briefly was that, boy, he was very versatile and superbly athletic and really got after it under the basket, where Hamir, I didn't see a lot of footwork and great moves under the basket. For yeah. him. I saw him drifting out to three and, you know, bopping threes, right? right? So maybe that's more of a need now. And that's why I'm not ready to cement Hamir into a starting role. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, Beach, we're definitely going to get back in touch with you and do another one of these things once we find out again what the status of Green's waiver is. Once we start hearing more about what's going on with the summer runs and who's getting better and who, mm -hmm. you know, what, who's maybe playing where, you start hearing whispers as you always do yep. in the summer. So we want to definitely catch back with you on that one. But really appreciate you taking the time. One thing I want to let all you guys out there know. Again, we always do this at the end, but. If you're listening for the first time and you want to get in your in your inbox, your email inbox, 
a daily look at all the stories that we're doing on dogman.com. Just send an email out to huskystadium at gmail.com and the subject line newsletter. Just put it in there, send it our way. We'll make sure you get it added onto the newsletter list and you'll be getting daily digest through your, in-mail, uh, through your uh, inbox and your email from all the stuff that we're doing. You'll get breaking news, you'll get analysis, you'll get stuff like what Beach and I were just talking about, a little bit of the basketball stuff too. So uh, for Aaron Beach, the head of hoops, this is Chris Fetters of dogman.com. Go dogs.